Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. Tyrac.com will help you get there. Unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. Welcome in. Hope you had a spectacular weekend. Oh, is your college football program 5-0? and Oh, is your? Mine is. My, mine is, yeah. We won't talk that much trash. And, oh, what Texas, Oklahoma, did you notice I switched picks on Friday and what we said would happen did in fact happen, right? When you've been kicking somebody's tail for 10 years and now you're better than them and you got momentum and they don't, instead of it being, you know, 27 to 14, it's 49 nothing. What a thumping in Dallas this weekend. We got a bunch to get to. The big news of the day is Matt Rule fired. He's out. Uh, this was Baker Mayfield after the loss yesterday talking about the team's frustrations. A lot of frustration, you know. Uh, and then, you know, the more you think about it, angry because we haven't played uh, to our capability, to be honest with you. And, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the frustrating part. And so have to translate it to Sundays, just plain and simple. Just got to get one under our belt. You know, we, we have one win under our belt, but we just have to play a complete game. You know, we, we have, to, have to build that confidence. Um, 
you know, I hate to say it's the same message that we've been preaching, but it is. It's it's not the end of the world. We have to find a way, find a way to win, and then just stack them up. All bets are off, by the way, now on Baker Mayfield when, if he returns. Right, he's got a walking boot. Supposed to miss a couple of weeks. Sam Donald should be healthy within a couple of weeks. All bets are off because remember, all of these decisions that are made. Granted, general manager stays the same, owner stays the same. Only guy that loses his job is the coach. But the coach has to green light that that coach that quarterback change. Has to. And unless he unless the coach green lights the quarterback change, it ain't ever gonna happen. So now the coach is out, now all bets are off. You know? All bets are off. So there's there's a lot to it. There's the forty million dollars he's gonna get. It was a six year fully guaranteed contract, which coaches lauded, but General manager's like, this is bad. You had a brand new owner in David Tepper who came in and is like, look, we get a college coach to rebuild, get the right quarterback, no problem. Easy peasy, Japanese, we're good. Not so much. You have that element to it. And then you just have the, like at some point we have to come to grips with the fact Baker might not be any good. You know? There's some things that he did in Cleveland. Um, and... I'm willing to admit, like, they haven't figured out offensive line here, but Chris McCaffrey was healthy. They didn't do anything. But all of those guys that were brought in, many they're on some level Matt Rule guys, and now Matt Rule's out. And that's a weird job because it's one where you'll have probably a new quarterback next year. Maybe you're bad enough to draft a quarterback highly. I think you'll have Christian McCaffrey, but at some point you have to go like, here's an asset which is really talented, but we struggle to keep him healthy and we struggle to win with him. They're almost at the place with Christian McCaffrey that the Raiders were with Khalil Mack. Right? We're we're not saying that Christian McCaffrey isn't awesome. He's awesome. But no matter how awesome he is, he's not healthy enough. We got to give him a new contract. And oh yeah, by the way, even when he's been at his best, it's not like we would make the playoffs because of it. So Matt Rule loses his job, and it feels like that acquisition of Baker Mayfield was in the um, desperation kind of category. But think of all the things that happened with Deshaun Watson. Like, all of this is because of Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson wanted out of Houston. All these teams openly opined for him. The area he's from is close. Obviously, played at Clemson, which is close to Charlotte. It's like uh, it's like two hours from Charlotte. Clemson is. Um, he's from close there. They all thought, well, we'll get Deshaun Watson, and then they didn't. That's why Atlanta had to make a quarterback change. That's what happened with Miami. That cost them all of you know all that nonsense with going after Deshaun Watson, and the same thing happened in Carolina. Isn't it amazing? It does all track back to Deshaun Watson. But I can't think of anybody who has a coach. Like, Charlotte is not without a set quarterback in place. No matter how much you have. Remember, the new owner comes from Pittsburgh. So, for any reason, Mike Tomlin were to get fired, that would probably be the hire that would be made. Otherwise, there's no real immediate ties there. The college coach thing didn't work. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. It feels like this move was done because they're just stale and stagnant. And, and they wanted to do it eventually. They did it now. But I don't know what the long-term answer is in the future. I just don't. Um, okay, we got, a, we got a bunch of things to get to. Uh, Brock Heward's going to join us this hour. Uh, we'll talk about Russell Wilson's injury. John Middlecoff joins us next hour. Did you guys see the Patriots just whoop up on the Lions yesterday? It is interesting. When the Patriots are bad, everybody lets you know the Patriots are bad. When the Patriots are good, nobody says anything. Um, I thought Lamar Jackson was very Lamar Jackson last night. Was really good in spots. Found a way to get get them to a place for Justin Tucker to win them the game. Um, I thought the Bengals' play calling was uneven in terms of their mix of run and pass. Uh, Yet they had a chance late. Lamar missed a couple of what should have been layup throws. But again, like if if you haven't listened to me and all you've reacted to was the uh, Instagram feed where I've said, 
hey, Lamar Jackson betting on himself, I still wouldn't give him five-year guaranteed contract. It's not because I think he stinks. I don't. I think he's much better than anybody thought. But he is who he is as a thrower, even though he's improved. He's the best runner we've ever seen. There's a, there still remains a strong likelihood that he'll get hit and he'll get hurt running the football. There's some limitations to the top side of, of him, but not a ton because this is how you win football. Just find a way to get first downs when other people can't get first downs. But I wouldn't give him a five-year guaranteed contract because Deshaun Watson has one. It's a bad contract. Get in line with the other good contract. That's all. That's all. And Burroughs' team's ability to hang around late even when they make a lot of mistakes, there is something sort of magical there, but there's also something um, where you feel like there's going to be games they're going to catch a beating. You had the Cowboys beating the Rams. Ramos, did you, what did you think? You, I know you watched the game on TV. What was the breakdown of <laughs> Cowboys to Rams fans? Was it 50-50? Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody was just saying. Uh, there was one play in, I think, the fourth quarter when I think they had to go to a silent count. I think Stafford had to go to a silent count because the fans were loud. Look, that's... It's just the way it's going to be. Cowboys is a national team. That, that's expected. Um, let, me, let me help you out here, okay? Let, let me do this to the, I don't live in Los Angeles. Okay. And I want to point out all the flaws to Los Angeles that make me feel better about where I live. Okay? Because that's what you're saying when you're like, well, UCLA, nobody went to when they played Alabama State. Why would anybody in their right mind go through traffic Park, pay to park, go to a game. It's a hundred degrees. Why would you go to an Alabama State game? I just, I wouldn't. So you do it in your town. Congratulations. I would not. That's who I am. But if you want to make fun of the NFL and these teams, Rams, people have made fun of the Chargers forever. No one said anything about the Rams. Like, look, it's a market that loves sports. The Cowboys have trained out here, done their training camp out here for over 25 years. And here's the kicker. Back when no one else could get national games, when we had no teams, L.A. got the Cowboys every week. Sunday games, you know, NFL game of the week. It was the Cowboys. And what happens is in the 90s, when you're good, you become a fan of the team that's good. And then when you're an adult, 20 years later, you're like, man, I'm still a fan of the Cowboys. I'm frustrated. But, heck, at least I'm, my team's doing good now. Whereas the Rams moved away, and it wasn't like they moved like 15 minutes away. They were in St. Louis. I mean, if you if you if you did the jaywalking thing, right, and you walked around LA and you said, Can you pick St. Louis out on a map? I'm gonna say five percent of people in Los Angeles could pick out where St. Louis is on a map. Right? Out of sight, out of mind, nobody cared. So if somebody was gone for 25 years and other teams trained there, other teams were good. Other teams were on TV. Who do you think you're going to be a fan of? Well, the Rams just won a Super Bowl. Like, okay, great. They gained some fans. They were way behind at the starting block. I have a couple of friends that I know that are Dodger fans, like yeah. literally Dodger fans, and they were at the game yesterday in Cowboys gear. Like, they're Cowboys fans. So you're 100% correct. Like, that was a team that they kind of found. Yes. And they're, they're Cowboys fans. So that's what happened with me. I was in, in the early 90s. Uh, Rams were moving. I mean, I wasn't a Raider fan. I wasn't a huge Raider fan. The Raiders were moving. And I was like looking for a team. And the Chargers had Natron Means and Stan the Man Humphreys. And it was close enough that if I somehow came upon wanting to go to a game, I could. Their games were on. That's how I became a Charger fan. That's how long it's lasted. You search for a team. You find a team. You get wrapped up in that team. And then then they move teams in your neighborhood. Like, you have to go and support these teams. Like, why? I don't want to. I'm a fan of this team. It also plays a little bit into the fact like why there are a lot of 49ers fans down here and Cowboys fans because they were winning. In the 90s and 2000s, these teams were back-to-back-to-back world champions. It's easy to find, to jump on a team that's like, hey, these guys are winners, and then you just kind of stay with them. Yes, yes. I I mean, like, look, when the Jacksonville Jaguars came to town, it wasn't like there was a huge number of Jacksonville Jaguars fans in town. (laughs) Right. Right? So uh, that's that's the nature of it. Um, If you haven't heard from Jay Stu today, it's because he's, He's quietly seething. <laughs> He's quietly seething because um, Brandon Staley went for it at his own 46-yard line with a minute and 11 to go. Um, okay, so we're not yet 24 hours removed from it, but we're almost there. We're like 23 hours removed from it. Have you been able to process what happened? 
kind of feels like that uh, that parenting moment when your kid did something stupid, but it it didn't end up as bad as it could have. You're still disappointed in him, but you're glad that everything worked out. But them winning that game does not get him off the hook for bad judgment. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Like it, I, I don't want to let him off the hook. All right, I want to bring in Dan Byer on this one. Um, Byer, I, I'm, I was against him going for it in his own 19-yard line against the Raiders last year in week 18. Right? But in this particular case, isn't this just like when Belichick went for it against the Colts? Right? Where if you get one first down and one – I didn't like the play call. Right? The play call, they were underneath Mike Williams. He was not even close to being open. But I don't understand with Justin Herbert as big and strong as he is. I get it, his ribs are hurt. But why you wouldn't bring in – Eckler as at least play action or or the ability for Herbert to run it for a first down. Instead, you know, it's just basically a slant and hope. I don't mind going for it because if you get it, the game is over. One play wins the game. And if you don't get it, the game is not automatically over, although it felt like it could have been. Where are you on the on the decision? Yeah, I don't think it's anything like Belichick. Not even close. Why not? Because Peyton Manning wasn't on the other sideline. Okay. It was Jacoby Brissett. And they don't have any timeouts. Um, you punt it. You know, maybe they start at their twenty-yard line. You make you make the Browns travel that distance. Uh, you don't get it. Now they just have ten yards to go. Them getting fifty yards to get into position is absolutely not a given. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a bad decision. You punt it away, especially with the guy that's on the other side of the uh, the field. Make Jacoby Brissett beat you. The Browns were running the football with absolute ease, uh, and that's what's going to kill you, not Jacoby Brissett's arm. And they aren't going to run the ball in that situation. And you don't think that there's a chance his defense was gassed. He's like, man, my defense is gassed. One play wins me the game. (laughs) It's Jacoby Brissett. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Okay. I'm going to disagree with you guys. Uh, We'll do some more in in, in the bonus in the pod. I'm going to disagree with you guys from 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 the simple standpoint that um, uh, I think you know one play winning the game and in, 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 and and the Brissett thing is a very strong and smart like look dude it's completely different there's somebody else who's a magician there but we also see all these quarterbacks getting a two minute and we're talking about completing three throws right that's all he needs is three throws to complete be back in the exact same spot kick the field goal and get out of there so. Um, as opposed to running one play, I got it. You know, I, I listen. Mean. I I understand the downside, and it was bad. I I also think it's funny how many people are this go for it guy until you don't get it, and then they're like, "Why would you go for it?" Like you're the one who's saying how awesome was it going for it. Um, in this particular case, I didn't like the play call. I didn't mind him going for it, but I definitely understand that it wasn't. This one wasn't a buy the book going for it. This one wasn't a buy the book going for it. So, I, I thought last night with uh, or yesterday with Arizona, I thought that was really good film work where they were showing, um, what's the kicker's name? Amendola missed to the right from that same spot in warmups. He kept missing right, missing right, missing right, and then of course he gets out there and he misses to the right. But I, I would yeah, there's, I, go yeah, ahead. there's even more with that uh, late game handling by the Arizona. Oh, Cardinals. Arizona ha- completely mishandled it. Completely mishandled it. They wasted ten seconds and then they spiked it. I mean, they were they were a mess. They were a me- they they were a Denver Broncos. Well, yeah, mess. they spiked it on third and one. <laughs> Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? <laughs> <I> mean- <laughs> and then Dan, they were in your favorite uniforms as well. So. I, Those uniforms I, are awful. I I didn't mind the helmet, but I just don't understand why two teams whose colors are red and green both are like let's both wear black today. Eagles had their black pants. Cardinals wore their black jerseys and helmets. Helmets kind of have a, you know, depending on where the light, it kind of has this red, you know, reddish tint. Yeah. Looked kind of cool, but yeah, yeah. Hey, why not just wear black? Or, you know? or just wear your regular uniforms. <laughs> Jeez. Just thought, just a regular. And the Eagles have that stupid all black helmet at some point later on in the season. Man. Has anybody realized that the NFC, like everybody's like, well, the NFC is the best division. Have you noticed they cross over against the, they're playing right now the NFC North, right? They're like, it's not like they're all beating up on the Chiefs and they're all beating up on the the Bills and whomever. I right? like the Eagles, 
I would struggle. Have they beaten? I, is Arizona a good team? I don't know. Minnesota's four and one. Minnesota, you know, Minnesota's good. And Minnesota yeah. beat the and Minnesota beat the the Packers, right? So right now Minnesota. Beat, but outside of again, outside, it's not like they're part of what your record is is based upon who you played. I'll say this: Who in the NFL is good? Like that's really the question because there's probably about three teams. Bills. Yep. Okay. Mm, I think the Eagles are pretty good. Yep, I agree. Um. I think the Chiefs are pretty good. Yep. And uh, that's probably where this discussion ends. Where it ends? Yep. Chiefs lost to the Colts, too. Chiefs lost to the Colts. How'd they lose that game? Uh, I mean, the Cowboys have an argument right now for the way that they're playing. Micah Parsons is so good. But we're not going seven or eight deep. No. So. No, and like, I mean, I would think the Packers, but they clearly aren't playing great football, right? If the Patriots take them to overtime, they lose to the Giants in a neutral field. Like, that's not great football. Um, the Ravens are finding ways to win games, and they've led all these games late. But, God, it's just all holding on for dear life. I quickly uh, made this point yesterday uh, on our uh, Red Zone show, is the Packers lost to the Giants. Like It falls on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders, but it's not an Aaron Rodgers' problem. Like Their defense, the, they build this team for this defense to be the stalwart. And I know that you've been talking about this, Doug, for the way that they want to play football. But when their defense doesn't stop anyone, now can't, you're forcing yeah. you're yeah. forcing Aaron Rodgers to make plays without the legitimate weapons that everybody feels that they should have had. Correct. So they have a defensive problem right now. Maybe a running the football problem, which we'll get into game time. But um, I'm glad you brought that up because that last play, it's like why again? Why are they looking to run the football at all? They have plenty of time. I just correct. I didn't, I didn't. Yep. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. 
Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, what up with your Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, okay, so here's the stuff we can take away from from yesterday, right? Is Arizona seemed to butcher their last possession, so they had a far harder field goal than they should have. It allowed the Eagles to remain undefeated. Matt Rule got fired. Their offense stinks. Their quarterback play stinks. Baker Mayfield's injured, but now all bets are off. They're going to probably sell off a bunch of pieces. The Patriots dominated the Lions. Nobody seems to care. I think the Patriots aren't terrible. Not terrible. The Steelers are terrible, and the Bills uh, took out years of frustrations in the AFC on them. That was a, a laugher of a game. We got Monday Night Football tonight, which seems interesting. My pick, which will be on the pod, I think will interest you as well. Um, Rams laid an absolute egg yesterday at home to the Dallas Cowboys. They could not control Micah Parsons. That guy is just an absolute freak. He wrecks your, uh, he, he wrecks your offense, and that allowed the Cowboys to have so many more opportunities because the Rams' offense is kind of yikes. Oh, what else? Geno Smith. Like in the pitch meeting, if you said, hey, five weeks in the season, Geno Smith's going to have the best offense in the league with the Seattle Seahawks, you would have been laughed out of that meeting. And yet that is, in fact, the case. Crazy, right? Crazy. And then there's Atlanta's near comeback against Tampa, which uh, was stopped for really for one reason, a terrible roughing the passer call when Tom Brady was tackled. And they rolled him and put him in. He didn't even get to the ground. Right? Didn't even get to the ground. So there's a bunch of different levels to it. But let's start. These two things can be true. It's a bad call. Does anybody think it's not a bad call? Anybody? Okay. It's a bad call. But we could have foreseen, foreseen, foreshadowed, foreseen, foresaw. What do you think? Jace, too. For, could have foresaw it, foreseen it. Fores- I think foreseen. Yeah, we'll go with foreseen. Um, could have foreseen this happening because it's Thomas Patrick Edward Brady. Right? Not the first time. Won't be the last time. Uh, Tom Brady gets calls. Yes, he does. But he should be treated just like any other quarterback. Good luck with that one. Quarterback should be treated just like any other position player. Good luck with that one. Like, look, you're just more... It's not like the league mandates that you have to protect Tom Brady. Just any idiot can say you want to try and protect quarterbacks, especially a guy like Tom Brady. And even, you know, in that case, could you have picked up the flag and gone like, hey, our bad, it wasn't that bad. But you're sitting there and you're staring at the play and you see him get kind of sort of thrown down to the ground. You just need jerkers to throw a flag. I, I actually get it. Jordan used to get calls all the time. They're like, man, I don't know about that one. LeBron gets calls all the time. I don't know about that one. It shouldn't surprise you that Tom Brady gets calls, especially ones where they're just trying to make sure he's safe. And if your quarterback doesn't get that call, you're like, man, my quarterback does. Do you know who your, what your quarterback is not? He is not a 10-time Super Bowl champion, 10 Super Bowl appearances, 7-time Super Bowl champion winner. Well, that's not fair. Guess what else? Life isn't fair. Here's Tom Brady being asked about it. Have you been lobbying or asking for some late hits there? I don't, I don't throw the flags. I don't throw the flags. Tells you all you need to tell. Hey, I'm not, I didn't say it was a good call, but I'm not giving the yardage back. I'm not giving the football back or the win back. I just, I, I, do I think it's a bad call? Yes. There were bad calls throughout the weekend. Uh, some, there was even a, a targeting on a block 
which was like a regular, like an offensive lineman blocking a linebacker. It's like a weird one. There have been other bad calls, plenty of them. This one stopped a comeback. I'm not going to say, well, you shouldn't have gotten so far down to Tampa. Like, no, it's a bad call. There are other bad calls that lengthen games, that stop comebacks, that made. I don't think this is some league mandate to keep Tom Brady healthy. I think anyone would realize that quarterbacks get the benefit of the doubt, and Tom Brady especially gets the benefit of the doubt. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the argument is. Yes, Ramos. I believe in watching the replay. <clears throat> I saw the, all the refs and the ump or whatever get all together and look around and talk about it. I think if you get all the refs that are there that saw the play get together, you're telling me that without one of those refs, it's like being in a jury room. It's got to be one ref to be like, hmm, I don't think that was a, <laughs> that was a ref in the passer, right? I mean, one of them has to speak up and say, yeah, that, uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you guys. That, that wasn't it. But yet, they all seem to agree when I, they all just kind of looked to them and then he threw the flag. Jerome Boger said the defender grabbed the quarterback while he was still in the pocket, unnecessarily threw him to the ground. That's what I was making the decision based upon. He threw him to the ground. I felt like that's just tackling him, right? It's tackling him. But a lot of this is an overreaction. Chris Olave, did you see him hit his head? You know, uh, to, to two of those guys hitting their head. Like, I, I don't know what you're, what are you supposed to do? You, you, you're, you can't be forceful in bringing a guy down? I don't really understand that one. He did kind of hit his head. He was sung around. I understand that. I completely understand them protecting Brady and protecting quarterbacks. And we're all getting like, look, this is part of the deal. Not only is, is Tua's probably ready to come back this week. I ain't let him come back this week. No chance. Because everybody, by the way, at home is a better doctor than the actual doctors. That, that's one of the things that took place this weekend was the, was the, the doctors who approved him. They're like, he didn't show any signs of concussion the first time. The NFLPA, by the way, was the one that fired the doctor. Not the NFL, not anybody else. And they did so because they wanted to blame somebody. Yes, Dan Byer. What was interesting in the pool report uh, from Greg Allman of The Athletic and speaking with Jerome Boger was Greg almost was trying to give him an out in saying, was this in response you know, to the Tua sort of thing? And then Boger's like, no, not necessarily. Like he was almost like being like, you know, this is a bad penalty and a sort of look, and I think that people would have been like, Okay, I understand after what Tua did, but <laughs> they, he didn't even take, you know, didn't even take the bait or, you know, didn't even go along with it. No, no, he offered him an out and he didn't want to take take the out. I just, I thought it was a regular sack. And yeah. I think I think Brady kind of freaked out, but I don't know if he's freaking out about the blocking as much as being thrown down, yeah. although nobody likes to be thrown down. So what do you think, Jace? Jace, dude, do you think it was a penalty? I mean, no. everybody, everybody thought it was a bad call. Right? Yeah, I didn't think it was a penalty. And I... I juxtaposed against what happened to Tua, to where Tua was, as you said many times last week, uh, ragdolled. It was uncomfortable to watch how badly he was thrown to the ground. But even after that play, members of his own team said it was clean. In other words, it wasn't. It didn't need to be penalized. And then you look at the hit yesterday on Brady, and it's just it's the difference is so stark. It was shocking, and you feel bad for the Falcons and the defensive players who don't really know right now what's going on. These uh, concussion protocols and everything are changing by the week. How about instructing the defensive players like what they can and cannot do week to week? Because that's what I feel bad about is the the Falcons' defensive players. I don't know how you sack quarterback if that's a – I guess you think you just got to roll. You just got to grab him and you just got to roll and you just can't throw him down, I guess. I don't know. Yes, Ramos. Didn't it happen a couple like a couple of years ago, right? When uh, the first initial rule was when guys would fall on top of the quarterback. That yeah. was being called a lot. That, remember? So the first, first one, the first one was you can't hit him at the knee or below. That was the Brady rule, because other quarterbacks have been hit and rolled up on their knee. Carson Palmer happened to Big Ben one one time against the Chargers. Happening that, but and they when Brady got hurt, they changed it to where you can't hit a guy near below. So Brady has been part of the rules emphasis. And then I'm going to go with maybe it was the year before, I think, the pandemic year. So I'm going to say like three years ago, four seasons ago, that when you landed on top of them, 
it became a penalty. And that was stemming from the Anthony Barr sack of Aaron Rodgers that hurt Rodgers' Broke his shoulders. Broke collarbone. Yeah, sure, yeah, his shoulder in Minnesota. So that was, I believe that's where it came. Yeah, that's, you know, a, that's that big brother crap. If Grady Jarrett doesn't do that move, Tom Brady could escape and keep the play alive. And that's, it's a third down. Now he's probably not going to throw it away because that would you stop the clock. Um, but I think that, you know, and a lot of times Brady is turtled, you know, and he's like, all right, you know, I'm not going to hurt myself. But I don't know if he does in that situation and maybe keeps the play alive. So the move by Jarrett to do that, if Brady was to elude it, um, yeah, it was warranted in trying to bring him down. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I even, like, I know a lot of the players were saying that the move on Tua was a football move, but you also know when you got a guy on your hip and he's about to go, right? Like, you know, like, you can toss him. And I don't think that Grady Jarrett did that. Like, I think the Tua play, I think, okay, maybe that was maybe, – Maybe you know as the defender, but I don't think that. I, I, here, let me let me let me let me help, and you tell me what what you what you think. Okay, let's start with the who is the player who threw down Tua? Who is the? I forget. It was yeah. it, he has Samoan last name. Yeah. Um, like here's what you got to remember: Tua's Tua's deal that was Thursday night, right? Yep, week four. Yeah. So you're playing on Thursday night. You're, you know, it's a big game. You break through. You get a shot at Tua. You grab him. You just, you, I got, you, like, it's, it's got to be very hard considering you play a game which is speed, and explosiveness, and force. You get your hands on the quarterback, and you're like, wait a second, I got to hold up a little bit, right? And part of it is, and there's a couple people who came at me on Twitter, like, what do you mean he's got to learn to fall? Like, dude, you got to learn to fall, right? You got that's part of the part of the thing playing quarterback is you're going to get thrown down. You got to have your wits about you to learn to protect yourself a little bit. I mean, we all make fun of uh, Brett Favre for turtling when he saw Michael Strahan for Strahan's all-time sack thing. But part of it is like those guys, some of those guys, sometimes you like, you just got to give yourself up because it's going to end badly. Um, So I would give, I give defenders a little bit like, it's really hard to have that sort of aggression, that sort of power, that sort of explosiveness. Then you finally get to the quarterback, you're like, okay, got to let up here, but not let go of my grip. And bring him down, but not hurt him. I, I so I, part of it is Tua is a, not that big a dude, and he just gets thrown around. Part of it is Brady is a much bigger dude. You know that Brady goes down, but he's kind of long and just kind of lays down on you. And that was the first time I thought I'd seen him kind of get crumpled up a little bit and get his thro- head thrown on the turf. It's also different your head going off the turf of grass as opposed to that that field turf turf ter- field turf stuff. Yeah, so. Which is Olave was indoors, so it was definitely field turf. That thing, who that was that was a scary one. That was a scary one. Um all right, so we all conclude. Um we all conclude that it was a it was a bad. It was a it was a bad call. But we all conclude that Brady is gonna get some bad calls and there's gonna be bad calls, and refs are also and like they tried to give him the out. We're also all kind of acting and overreacting a little bit to the Tua stuff as well as others. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brock Hewer joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, by the way, the news on Russell Wilson is he has a partially torn lat. A lat? Yes, and he went to SoCal on this little mini bye weekend because they played Thursday to get a platelet-rich plasma injection, a little PRP injection into that shoulder lat. Kind of a, a little bit more of an injury you hear with pitchers, I think, more than quarterbacks, to be honest with you, Doug. So not, uh, not great news for, for Russ. Um, you've seen him, and you've been a fan of his for a long time, right? Like yep. I, I can't tell you how many times we've discussed things, and you're like, dude, this guy's amazing. Yep. Yeah, uh, it does seem like there's a lot of people, the players in the league or former players in the league that don't love him, and they're quietly or not so quietly enjoying his struggles. W- what's behind that? Yeah, you mean Richard Sherman? I, but I think there, there's <laughs> yes. others as well. He's not. I the mean, only. there are Doug yeah. Baldwin, Richard. There, there's certainly some of those guys on the team. There are certainly big fans of his. I, I think by the end, um, Doug, he just wore people out in Seattle. I mean, I think that's just kind of the nicest way to put it. Between his work capacity, uh, the way he wanted things done, all of the entourage people around him, and not in a not in a negative way, but when you've got your own QB coach, you've got your own strength coaches, you've got your own physical therapist, you got your own dietitian, you got your own mental health coach. I mean, you just you know the, the army of people around him. I think it just frankly wore out the organization when they were like, "Hey, we got our own people." You know, why don't you use our QB coach? Why don't you use our strength coach? Why don't you use our physical therapist? Why don't we, you know, we're, we're a team here. And I think by the end, it just, it wore it teammates out. It wore the front office out. 
And and they really felt like Doug um, Russ was at a at a place as well, kind of a crossroads where he wanted more. Right, the whole let Russ cook. I want more. Give me more. I I need to throw up more. I need more stats. I need to do more out of the pocket. And they wanted him to play to his strengths, which is a game facilitator, not a game manager, but a game facilitator. And I would always compare his numbers to Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman, Hall of Fame, three Super Bowls. You know how many pass attempts a game he averaged in his career? Twenty-eight. 28. That was that was always a sweet spot. And whenever Russell would throw for less than 30 attempts a game and they would run and they would play pass and he would facilitate and he would make plays uh, off of all that play action, they would win. And when they threw it more than that, more often than not, yeah, he would pile up some yards, but they would lose. And what you're seeing in Denver, to me, is Russ is getting everything he wants, even, even more than he had in Seattle. You have a, a first-time head coach that has literally said on the air in press conferences, yeah, we do what Russ wants. Yeah, it's what Russell wants. We do what Russ wants. And that is just not a healthy dynamic at all. No, and it's not working. No. And and it's also like I and and again, you you live this life even now with with kids and with your your nephews and I, I mean and, and, and what you cover, but it's like I, I, I don't know if people understand that player empowerment is tough enough in basketball because there's a pecking order and it coaches in football, you just it doesn't work. No. Right? It it no. it doesn't it doesn't work. And you can be offended by it because you think uh, that 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 that's not how it's supposed to work. It doesn't work that way in life. This is not real life. This is football. In football, there has to be a totem pole and the player cannot be atop the totem pole. No. A uh, player empowerment in baseball can work cuz they're a bunch of independent contractors largely, right? Underneath one LLC umbrella of a of a baseball team, but they're largely independent, independently driven, independent with their stats and yes. when they all, you know, work together or, or they all produce, they they win and move on. Football and hockey, you you just cannot have that. You just you just don't. You have to have a culture of you know, it's the ultimate team sports and, and hockey, I think, is the most beautiful in that way. And the tradi- it's so tradition rich and steeped in history and, and steeped in this is the way that we conduct business. And these are our captains and these are our leaders and these are our voices. You know, as you said, basketball is different. You got five guys, you know, and you can develop and cultivate a couple role players. You have two or three scorers, a few people off the bench. Man, football is 53 dudes living together, beating each other up through the offseason and into training camp and into the regular season. And if you don't have, yeah, just a hierarchy of leadership and you don't have a selflessness in your culture, you're going to get exposed. And in in entitlement, just, man, once that starts to run rampant on a player level, you call it empowerment, I call it entitlement. It's an unhealthy thing. So uh, Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's a voice of Brock Heward. Let, let's get to uh, your day job, which is covering college football games. You do it as well as anybody has ever done it. Um, TCU, Kansas. Uh, I'm sure when that one originally popped up on the schedule, you're like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> then you're like, two undefeated. Well, that, two well un- that was originally a Remy. Okay, let's be clear. Oh, that was originally so, uh, not. A, a, by <laughs> not, the way, a, yes. Remy, a Remy is you call the game from your studio. You Correct. don't go there. Correct. Right? So you thought you thought you were like, man, doing this one from LA, I'll be home after the game. Instead, you you did it from from Lawrence. Oh yeah. Yeah. They sent us there and and everybody was there and it was, man, it was a scene unlike anything I've ever been to in Lawrence. I think I, that was my third time there. It's been some years. I did a couple Oklahoma just absolute bloodbaths and bludgeonings of the Jayhawk. Jayhawks, and it was just a totally different atmosphere. I mean, you, you've been there a number of times for basketball. Um, I actually, one of the trips I was there for an Oklahoma game was Midnight Madness. Sure. And we got to go to Fog Allen and and partake in that. And I'm like, man, can these basketball guys go play for the football team tomorrow? Like, they would have a lot better shot being Oklahoma if this crew just all decided to play football, Joel Embiid and others during that time. Um, but it was, it, it felt like that basketball environment. You know, it's an older building. It's going to be updated. They're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, especially if they can win a couple more games this year, which they should, and get to a bowl game and pay Lance Leipold and keep him and keep his staff together because they do just a phenomenal job. I know his name, Doug, has been mentioned at Wisconsin and mentioned at Nebraska and mentioned these other places. I'll be honest with you, at 58, he felt like Lawrence, Kansas. 
a guy that's been in Wisconsin Whitewater, a guy that was at Buffalo. I know, but if Wisconsin comes calling, doesn't he have to take that? I, I mean, that would be home, and, and that would make a ton of sense. I think they're going to give Jim Leonard every opportunity to blow them away, which he did in the opener with Northwestern Saturday. Young guy, you know, recruiter, um, you know, just innovative defensive guy, something that they've just been a little bit different. As I said, Lance Leipold, I think we get so caught up at times in forgetting fit. Fit as a quarterback in franchises. Fit as a coach in places. Scott Frost was a fit at, at UCF, right? Recruiting all this speed and chip on your shoulder and all these guys that he could fit into his system and play super fast. It was an amazing fit. Go to Nebraska where I got to recruit and I got to do things differently and I'm never going to have as much speed as Ohio State and Michigan and others in my conference. I, I, I can't win. I can't win. Mike Riley at Nebraska before that. Great guy. Wonderful human being. As good a person as you're ever going to find. Perfect for Corvallis, Oregon. Yeah. Not for Nebraska. Mike no, no, Leach. I, I, I listen, Mike Leach. You, you listen, perfect. Life is about finding a great fit, right? Finding a great fit that you're right school, high school, you're right college, yes. you're right coach, yes. you're right spouse, right? You're right friends, live in the right neighborhood. Like you can live in a perfectly, nothing wrong with this neighborhood. It just doesn't fit like who we are and what we're about. All, all those things. Like I, I get it. Um, Matt Rule, perfect fit for Temple. Pretty darn good fit at Baylor. Not a fit for the professional ranks. Where would he be a good fit in the in in college? Oh, there's going to be some college spots. It would yeah. be you know I think back at the Power Five level. I, I think he I think he sees I think he can recruit to it. I think he can develop players. You know, did a terrific job at Baylor saying, and this is what you got to do in some of those spots is okay. What is going to be our niche? What is going to be our advantage at the NFL level? You don't do that. You don't do that. You got to coach grown men. You got to blend them, as we were talking about earlier, and cut out entitlement and cut out empowerment, yet still massage it in a way and and do it with professional men. And that was just not going to be not going to be a fit for him. The best in college football, the best fit seeker and the best guy around has been Mike Leach from Lubbock, Texas, to Pullman, Washington, to Starkville, Mississippi. And there's nowhere else, you know, I don't think there's going to be anywhere else up the pecking order uh, that, that's going to be a, a fit for him. But he's going to win eight or nine games and maybe even more at Mississippi State if he can get a few more pieces. So, as he said, fit is so darn important. And, oh, by the way, the guy that I've got this week, both guys, Kyle Whittingham at Utah and, and what Lincoln Riley is doing, fitting in right now in L.A., uh, two guys that are – you know, I think in the perfect home for them. I wouldn't have thought Chip Kelly was in a perfect home in LA. I wouldn't, but he's built a really good team and they're really physical. And that was what, you know, uh, Utah had won the league last year because they were, they were just more physical. Right. Yep. And then Utah kind of got pushed around Saturday at the Rose Bowl. Uh, uh, big time pre-transfer portal. I don't think tr- Chip Kelly was a fit in LA. I think those first two, three years showed it. If he had to go the high school route, Right, because it's hard to get junior college kids in the UCLA. So if he had to just purely do the recruiting and recruit 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, high school kids, I don't think it would have worked. Transfer portal chip in LA, uh, very much working. Transfer portal Lincoln Riley in LA, very much working. You know, I just was reading some comments from Whittingham, and not making excuses, but basically saying, "Hey, listen, the top 25 in the years to come, if this is the way we're going, is going to be the top 25 NIL pools." Right, it's going to be. You're going to see the top 25 schools are going to be the top 25 resources and NIL money, and that's just where this thing is is trending and heading. And I'll say this as, as well, Doug. Watching uh, DTR, and you've watched him in LA for five years. Right now, he reminds me of. You ever see the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yeah. Remember when they smashed that dude's car up? Yeah. And he just like had a vengeance and he was just taking out Forrest, names. It was Forrest Whitaker played, there the, you go. played the character, right? Have you, have you seen DTRs like looking at the opposing sidelines at Michael Penix in Washington? Did you see him stare yeah. down yeah. Utah? Yeah. Like he feels like Forrest Whitaker in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like he's got a vendetta and then just an edge for everybody that I have not, I've never seen from him. Always highly competitive. You know, and Pete, or excuse me, Chip has always been the first to say toughest dude on the team and, and, and just an incredible competitor. But now he's like, you got to squat around him and he knows it. And he's just like, oh, you're not giving me the attention? Oh, you're going to hype up Michael Penix? Oh, you're going to hype up Cam Rising? Oh, you're going to hype up Bo Nix? Oh, you're going to hype up everybody in this conference? Yeah, DTR has been here doing his thing for five years. And right now, man, he looks like a man on a mission. He do- he, re- he really does. Uh, by the way, do you want to take, take a swing at, at who that character was that Forrest Whitaker played? 
Oh, what was his name? Oh, yeah, I forget. <laughs> what was his name? Forrest Whitaker. So, so if you're not you Hightower, right? No, that was Wildcat. What was his name? Um, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I blend oh. Fast Times and Ridgemont High and Wildcats together quite a bit. Wildcats was a good. I don't see. I don't see you doing no end zone dancing, Marvell. <laughs> it's a Charles Jefferson. Charles, oh, Je- Jefferson. They, but they just go. called him yeah. Jefferson. There right? you go, Jefferson. Charles, yeah. Charles Jefferson. Just right? remember this, man. Football. It's a sport of kings. It's, better than diamond rings. <laughs> it's football. <laughs> it's football. Uh, okay. How bad is it at Oklahoma? Ooh, pretty bad. Pretty bad. We had them twice. We had them in the opener against UTEP. It's kind of a fascinating journey to see them. And man, it was Brent Venables felt and sounded like Dabo. I mean, he was just in our production. It was like an hour. I mean, it was just a powerhouse of just one liner after one liner and, and, and stuff that he genuinely believed. Like you could see, okay, I'm, I'm built for this. And then we had them versus K-State, which I didn't think in any way based on K-State losing the week before to Tulane. Adrian Martinez was in a shell and they just came out, and Deuce Vaughn and Adrian took that game over. And obviously, Dylan Gabriel goes out the following week. They're without him. Last week, they do not have a backup quarterback. He wanted strain. He talked a lot, Doug, about strain. It's kind of a popular phrase you hear coaches say in culture building and foot- on the football field. We got to strain. And you could just see his face, right? Get all tight and spit. Strain. We're going to strain at the line of scrimmage. We're going to strain through adversity. We're going to strain in camp. We're going to have the most physical camp in college football, bar none. All my Oklahoma buddies that watched it said, man, you couldn't, you wouldn't believe it. Even at the start of the season in in practice on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, it's full pads and they're hitting. Congrats. You can't tackle Texas. What the hell happened? I know. And when you're winning, you know what happens? All those guys buy into that. Yeah, Yeah, I I like this. And then once you start to bleed, like Drago and Rocky Four, guess what happens? Doubt creeps in. And then it's like, why are we hitting so much, man? Why is this so brutal? Why is he so hard? Why is this so difficult? So, yeah, they're they're up against it. And Dylan Gabriel has got to be a lot better than he's been. He missed a lot of throws even before he got knocked out. So he's got to come in and be the facilitator and the leader that they brought him in to be, the leader that Adrian Martinez is, the leader that Caleb Williams is, the leader that Bo Nix is, the leader that you know these guys and these transfer QBs have been in spots. And if not, they're going to have a real hard time getting to a bowl game. Sprock Heward does an awesome job. What do you got this week? USC oh, at Utah. Utah. Oh, it's going to be good. That should be it. That should be a good one. I, can, I cannot. I cannot wait to hear your call that game. That should be fun. Thanks for joining us. All right, you got it anytime. Boys. That one won't be on Remy either. By the way, I just want to point no, that one. No, no. Bro, that one's not 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 on on Remy. All right, uh, coming next to the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season, and so are we. I'm Tori Deal, and I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars Four is finally here, and this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a A podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. 
So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.